Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thank you for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. You spend a significant portion of your life at work. So my goal is to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I am delighted to welcome my very special guest to the show today, Dr. Carmen Simon. Carmen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you for having me, and uh, hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about your book, but let me tell the audience all about you. Carmen Simon, Ph.D., is changing how the world communicates. A cognitive scientist, she has helped some of the world's most visible brands craft memorable messages by focusing on how the brain works. Carmen is the co-founder of Rexy Media, a presentation design and training company. She holds doctorates in both instructional technology and cognitive psychology and is a recognized expert in presentation design, delivery, and audience engagement. Her sought-after keynote speeches unveil science-based techniques for getting others to see your way, remember your way, and go your way. Carmen, I'm really excited. Your book is called Impossible to Ignore, Creating Memorable Content to Influence Decisions. So first, as as an executive coach and a career development professional, I'd love to know how you got interested in this topic from your studies and your PhD work. How did how did the book start? I started the book after I completed a series of studies where I noticed how fallible memory really is. For example, a few years ago, I asked in one of my studies a simple question, how much would people remember if they saw a PowerPoint presentation that had only 20 slides, how much would still be in their memory two days afterwards? And uh, I was humbled to realize that uh, out of the 20 slides where each slide had only one message, people remembered on average four slides. But what was even more humbling was the fact that out of the 1,500 participants that I had in that research study, 500 people remembered zero. Wow. Quite a f- <laughs> yes, quite a few wrote back and they said, what presentation? <laughs> and, <laughs> and these were healthy individuals. Sure. The, the pool of participants were part of uh, people who are just like our listeners right now, successful business individuals. But it's our memories uh, is very fallible. And the premise of the book and the premise that I have in general is that memory is at the root of all decision making. So unless we learn how to impact people's memory, it will be harder and harder to stay in business. So, Carmen, admittedly, there are many books out there on the topic of memory. How is yours different? Any thoughts on how your book is different than others on the topic of memory? There are two ways in which the uh, book is different. Uh, One way is that I advocate that memory is at the basis of all decisions, and this is a concept that has not been explored before. And um, the other differentiator is the fact that I look at memory not something that has evolved to help us keep track of the past, but rather something that has evolved to help us keep track of the future. And um, this is what I mean by this. If you were to investigate your own 
memory problems that you had, let's just say last week, you'll be surprised to find out that 60 to 80% of those memory problems are memories about the future, not memories of the past. So for instance, you may have intended to stop by and pick up your dry cleaning, or you may have intended to send an email out or to finish a project. And these are things that you had good intentions about, but did not complete. Is that is that true as you reflect on last week? What are some memory problems that you yeah, had? Yeah, I'm thinking about that very thing, Carmen. You're absolutely right. So yeah, and I'm very forward-minded, so I'm I'm constantly thinking about what's next. But it's that classic question, what did you have for breakfast, right? <laughs> yeah, so obviously retrospective memory, so remembering the past is still a concept that's very, very useful and uh, very practical in business. We still want our audiences, our customers to remember what we did for them or things that we created a while back even if a while back was last week or yesterday. But what's even more practical for all of us is to make sure that people remember us in the future where decisions happen. Got it, got it. So is that really the core of why content is forgettable, that we're focusing on the past and not the future? Yes. So let me And that's it. Oh, I'm sorry. The distinction we make there is between retrospective memory, which simply means remembering the past, versus prospective memory, which means remembering to act on future intentions. So what about all of this conversation now about mindfulness and being in the present? Where does that fall on the cognition spectrum? <laughs> I like what you're saying, and especially as the topic of mindfulness is such a hot one right now. Everybody's addressing it these days. And to give it appreciation, we have to understand how memory works. And whenever we're exposed to the world, we take it in through our senses. So our initial memory traces start being formed based on our senses. So you take in the world through our senses, and that memory, that sensory memory, only stays active for fractions of seconds, after which is it's gone. There are some pieces of information that linger on for a bit longer, and they go into a short-term memory repository or a working memory and they stay there also for a short period of time for about 30 seconds a minute intelligent people like you probably up to two minutes no more so if somebody tells you a phone number and you don't have something to write it down with you'll kind of repeat it in your mind until you either dial it or you have the chance to write it down after which it's probably gone forever and in between this, this journey from sensory memory to this short-term memory, that's where that mindfulness can take a huge role. And that's because the more of the world that you process, the more chances you have to remember. So being present, that means more of your senses are active. You're elaborating and you're interacting a little bit more. You're processing things in your environment. Otherwise, if you're walking through your world mindlessly, then it's no wonder that you're also lacking goes the memory of it. Okay, so that makes sense. So, Carmen, the million-dollar question. So many of our listeners think about how they are branding themselves in their businesses, in their companies, not only what is their professional brand, but maybe they're branding a product or a service, and they're out creating content in the world. What are some of the mistakes that people are making when creating content that is, frankly, not memorable? 
<laughs> the one of the biggest mistakes is that, that I'm noticing is this uh, lack of awareness of um, what, I, what I call point B communication. Because imagine this: that you're creating messages or you're trying to brand yourself at point A, and this is the present moment, that mindful moment. Let's uh, let's hope. And in that moment, you may create a campaign, you may create a presentation, you may create a blog, and what you hope is that your audience remembers that message and acts on it at point B, and that point B appears sometime in the future, maybe it's uh, an hour from now, maybe it's a day from now, maybe it's a month from now. And when we create messages at point A, we have got to ask what is likely happening in people's worlds at point B that can enable them to remember and act on what we said. And unfortunately, not too many people ask that question. Point B communication means that you're in people's contexts and constantly saying this is what they are likely to see or hear or experience at point B that will trigger that uh, that memory. I'll um, I'll give you some examples of uh, campaigns that I like or messages that uh, that I see. For example, I saw one from a, a beer company, and uh, their message was a humanitarian one. They wanted to remind us to obviously drink their beer, but if we do, make sure that we don't drink and drive. Mm. So it's a it's a solid message, and you can say that at point A, hoping that people will remember it at uh, at point B. But the way that they did it was so clever because they thought about what is it that people are likely to see them at point B if they don't act on that message. And the cap of that beer bottle had a car right on top of it. Hmm. So inherently, when you when you take a beer um, a bottle opener and now you bend the cap in the process of opening it, then the car becomes bent out of shape, literally. Uh-huh. Okay. And when you take the cap off, the inside of the message, the inside of the cap has a message, don't drink and drive. So you see, already with point B in mind, you're creating at point A so that you can remind people this is what will happen if you're not following the message. Wow, that's brilliant. And I'm beginning to see the, the patterns and, and how you are really highlighting the cognitive psychology embedded in, in that message. Yes, so is it intuitive to believe that repetition leads to memory? But you're, sh- you're saying in the book that there are some insights on how you can do that really well. You know, quite often as a presenter, I've heard of the rule of three. When you say it three times and you reinforce it three different ways, they're more apt to remember in the audience. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Yes, yeah, so the definitely repetition, as you know, the it's the mother of memory. And the mistake that I'm noticing from many business communicators is that um, even though we believe in repetition, we tend to shy away from it. And one of the reasons for that uh, could be that we want to impress an audience constantly with novelty. And if we have, let's just say, a 60-minute presentation, every single minute we feel like we have to fill it with new information and we don't sacrifice it in, in favor of old information, so to speak. So lesson number one, make sure that you actually repeat a message and repeat it consistently. The brain tends to equate consistency with validity. So if we hear the same message said exactly the same way multiple times, whether it's three or five or six, a minimum of three, um, then you have more chances not only for people to remember but to believe in what they remember. And uh, another lesson that we can uh, we can share and insights that we have from science is that um, when you think about 
words that are repeatable, then you have to wonder what, what makes them repeatable. Because obviously when you aspire repetition, you hope that you, when you're no longer in the room, people say the message that you believe was important in exactly the same way. And one of the insights we have from science is that a, a message that's repeatable is a portable message. And what do I mean by this? Whenever you have a line that can be used in multiple contexts, then you have a good repeatable line. Like, for instance, um, tell me some lines that you still remember from movies. Oh, my goodness. From movies, I don't know, but I'm thinking brands, you know, um, Nike, just do it, right? Yes, yes. Things of that nature. Exactly. So if you take that one, imagine just do it. It doesn't necessarily apply just in a sports. You can use it when you're cooking. You can use yeah. it when uh, you're out traveling. You can use it when you're finishing a project. And it's just such a portable line. And that's what uh, makes it uh, easily repeatable, therefore memorable. So as people investigate their own brands, their own messages, step back and ask, can this message carry through in a field that's different than mine? Carmen, I'm beginning to understand uh, the the cognitive psychology, you know, as a layperson listening to you as the expert uh, and, and the scientist, I'm understanding that angle with the memory and the repeatable uh, concept in the brand. What about the visual? Is there any cognition and cognitive psychology theory about color and images, things of that nature that we respond to visually? Oh, yes, for sure. And as, as you read the book, you will see there is a special section dedicated exactly to what you're talking about. The um, popular belief is that visuals may often be more memorable than uh, text. Yeah. And that's not always true. Uh, the reason that we believe that is because generally images are more interesting, mm. and therefore we direct more of our attention towards them and as a result of extra processing then they become more memorable but just because that's true it doesn't mean that images are always memorable nor does it mean that a text is always forgettable so for example if i said to you climbing mount everest is like uh, running on a treadmill breathing through a straw Notice how I created some words and some images in your mind just now without showing you a physical picture. I didn't yeah. have to have a PowerPoint slide in order yeah. to build that mental picture. Very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining that in my, <laughs> in my head. Yeah. And the mistake that too many people make is the fact that we tend to write and to direct our messages towards abstract concepts to the point where we're not building any mental images in our audience's minds. And that's one of the reasons why words are forgettable, not because they're always forgettable. And I'm sure we've all in the in the listening audience been in a, a, a deadly presentation where it was PowerPoint by death slides that were so text heavy or perhaps that printed document that just had so much text that that people start to gloss over. But very important information. So how does the presenter get through to the audience when there's a lot of dense content? <laughs> so through that dense content, if you ask uh, the question, first of all, what is it that I want to put in people's minds? What do I want them to remember in a few days from now, a few weeks from now? And getting to that clarity will also advance you towards memorable content. But also, if we were to come back to the aspect of visuals, analyze your content and see how much, how, what's your ratio between abstract versus concrete and specific things. And one of the ways to get to the specific and the uh, 
the things that are concrete and build mental pictures is to speak from your own experiences and to bring those to a forward and to hook into those colors because often we speak from other people's knowledge and other people's experiences and as a result we're missing the details we're missing the background yeah, we're missing yeah. the what would what would enhance a scene got it Carmen, this is fascinating, and your book is impossible to ignore, creating memorable content to influence decisions. So tell us how we can buy the book and follow you online. You've got an extraordinary website. You can buy the book from Amazon or anywhere else that uh, books are sold, and uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter. The uh, handle is um, Are You Memorable, spelled exactly as you hear it with all the letters. And our website is reximedia.com, R-E-X-I media.com. Rexi comes from the Latin verb to direct or to guide. So the promise that we make is that as you use brain science principles, you too will then be able to guide your audience's attention to what counts and um, stay on people's minds long term. Wonderful. Well, Carmen, you will be on my mind long term. Thank you so much for your, your wonderful time on the show today. I learned a lot and I know that our listeners did as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, having me and thank you everyone for listening. And I want to thank you all for listening and for tuning into Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. Career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. My show is now available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, and Stitcher. Hey, leave a comment, because I always appreciate hearing from my listeners. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.